0: McShane Bible study. We are going to do days 248 and 249 to get ahead. Soccer season starting for the kids. And I'm not sure the exact schedule yet. But for tomorrow, we're going to practice soccer in the morning instead of doing this. So we're going to get ahead. And um, that means we're starting with 1 Samuel 29 through 31, the last three chapters. And we see we had left off with David... uh, being with um the Philistine Ashish is one of the five kings of the Philistines and um then they were going to battle against Israel and so David came with them but the other lords of the Philistines said wait a minute he can't come with us he's going to turn against us so they sent him home meanwhile uh their home is getting uh sacked by the Amalekites remember that uh remember Saul didn't kill all the Amalekites right um and so, they, they take all their women and children and stuff. And so, the, the people are upset. They want to stone David. Um, and, and first of all, when, again, I keep pointing this out because it's important that we understand this. Mm-hmm. But, but David was living his life unto the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Did David want to go kill a bunch of Israelites? No. No. But... <laughs> he's in this situation right mm-hmm. god was watching out for him and pulled him out of that fight Did you see that That mm-hmm. yeah, didn't it, you know that, that's not what was said in words but that's what happened mm-hmm. right so god's watching out for him but then they get back and all their stuff is is taken over and so that seems you know dreadful to his own men want to kill him uh, but what does David do? He calls for the ephod from H- Ahimelech. And he inquired of the Lord, right? Shall I pursue them or not? What do you mean, shall you pursue them? Of course you shall pursue them, right? I mean, these are men of war. That's what they do. They go around having war with people, raiding people, right? Now someone's raided them. You would think, of course they're going to go after them, right? Mm-hmm. But what does he do? He doesn't just assume that. He seeks the Lord and asks Mm-hmm. you know, Lord, is this just a dreadful thing that we have to accept? Or should we go after him? the Lord says, yes, go after him and you'll be successful. And so he does. And uh, so he defeats them. And, um, they create a new law. I don't need to go over that. And then uh, the battle happens between the Philistines and the Israelites. And, um, and Saul and his sons are dead. And that's kind of how First Samuel ends, and so Second Samuel becomes the story of how David rises to the kingship. We're next doing First Corinthians ten and eleven, and you're far away. There's various topics that come up in these two chapters. You're far away, so you need to speak that question loudly. <clears throat> um, it says that women aren't supposed to um not have a covering on. Is that still true? Okay, so head coverings for women, uh because the, Paul says very clearly that men should not cover their heads. So if you see a man in a service with a baseball cap, I don't I don't know that I've seen that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that goes on in places. Um or you see a woman in a service without a head covering, uh then we're all break then all those people are breaking this, right? and that would be extremely common on the women's side um and so what is the heart so my and so just to give you a little background if you go to the orthodox churches like i've been to russia the the um uh the the women um do cover their head they wear a scarf over their head every time they go in and I went in, was, I was in Moscow one time, and it was freezing, snowing, it was so cold. And I was just ducking into a church for a because I just like to see cool old churches. I like the style they use over there. And, um, well, I like all different kinds of <laughs> architectural styles when I'm visiting different places. And uh, I was just freezing. I had this big winter coat on with a hood, and uh, it was so cold I couldn't go very far down the street without getting somewhere warm. So I ducked into this church, and I immediately got yelled at by this little nun uh, because I had this head covering on, you know. Uh, and a man shouldn't have a head covering on a church, right, according to this chapter. Um, and um, so he, he's, he's talking about um, that... Man's head should be uncovered because Jesus is our head, right? So that's, that's that. And, and that's not a big problem today, so I'm not going to get it. I don't think there's much need for that. So should a woman have their head covered in church? Well, I was just thinking as I was reading through this, I wonder if, it's wh- if that's why English women have this uh, tradition of all these silly hats that they wear. Uh, You're probably not aware, but English women love to wear these really fancy hats. And I think especially at church, and I, I bet it came from this chapter. Well, that is the complete opposite of Paul's intent here. The intent is basically, I believe, not making a show of yourself because... So in general, let's talk about what is a very common temptation for men and women that could come into play that would distract us from worshiping the Lord. Because that's what this is all about, right? Coming together to worship the Lord. Mm -hmm. Uh, Women have a tendency, part of the fallen nature of women in general, that doesn't mean every woman, but in general this is a common tendency of women, is to compare themselves to others, to want to look pretty to others, and and so therefore to to dress in a certain way that gathers attention. We see elsewhere in Scripture where he Paul says, "Stop uh, putting gold in your hair." Why would they put gold in their hair? Because it it draws attention. So he says, "You you know you have this long hair. You're drawing attention to yourself. You could cut it off, but that would be." Um, That would be equally disgraceful, so just cover your head, right? Um, Meanwhile, men, uh, by and large, struggle with lust and looking at a pretty woman, okay? And so here you have a woman whose head is uncovered, and just in general, she is likely to be struggling with what people think of her when she should be just worshiping on the Lord and thinking about herself and the Lord, and the men near her are struggling with looking at the pretty woman instead of worshiping the Lord. So you see quite a bit of problem here, right? Well, societies change. I, I'm not saying it wouldn't be better to go back to that. They might, but let me give you the flip side um, societies change. And if a woman is dressed modestly, then just because her head is showing because of like how, like, it, you wouldn't see back in those days, you wouldn't see much skin of arms and legs on women if you walked around. So the fact that her hair is exposed is like very provocative for the time. Today, you walk outside, you're going to see tons of skin on a woman. So the fact that you're seeing hair is not... If someone goes to worship the Lord and is dressed modestly, that's going to be far less provocative than what you see anywhere else when you walk around. Does that make sense? So I, I think this is an area where um the... just the way people dress in the world has changed so dramatically that that the particulars of this thing don't apply as much. Okay? Um, so, anyway, I'll, I'll go through a few other things. First of all, he, he's warning against idolatry and against all these other things, um, you know, sexual immorality and, and all kinds of other things, because he said, look, the Jews were baptized in the Red Sea. And they drank from the spiritual rock which is christ right mm-hmm. and and god was displeased with them because they went after all these other things their idolatry the sexual immorality and, and and the other things where they they didn't want to live the way of the lord and god spit them out so who do you think you are that he won't do the same thing to you right that goes against most popular christian teaching today calvinism mm-hmm. but that's what paul says um, and so he's basically saying, get, <laughs> live your life to get right with the Lord. And that's what he does when he gets down to communion, but let me kind of go in order. Um, yeah, and he, I, I'm not going to go in detail cause I already sort of did, but he says basically w- w- when, when someone puts food in front of you or he says, don't mix mm-hmm. the, the heart of his message is. Don't mix worship of demons, which is many of the ways of the world, with worshiping the Lord. Get rid of the mixture and be pure in your worship of the Lord. He thinks that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful because you're free in the Lord. But if you practice the ways of the enemy in the world, you're you're tied up and bound by them. So you're not really free, Mm right? Right? 29, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? We're not judged by what people think or assume about us. Mm-hmm. So don't allow our understanding of who we are in the world and the Lord be determined by someone else's understanding, right? Okay, then we're going to head coverings. Uh, now I'm in chapter 11, head coverings. The Lord's Supper, verse 19. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So he, he's saying he's upset with them for creating all the factions. They're supposed to be coming together to worship the Lord, to, to take the Lord's Supper, communion. And they have all kinds of factions. And some are getting, you know, eating a lot and getting drunk and others are have nothing what are you people doing this isn't really a problem today but but the point is come together as one body in christ look look at others above yourself make sure that as a body of christ we take care of each other and you're not out for yourself right Mm -hmm. um okay 28, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So he's saying, when you take communion, this is why Callum's not taking communion yet. This is why until a couple weeks ago, Willow wasn't taking communion, right? Mm -hmm. Or previous to that, you weren't taking communion. I grew up taking it as a baby, because that's the church that the people I was part of believed you baptize a baby, and you just start taking communion immediately. But what does Paul say? Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's a pretty heavy word, right? He says, when we take communion, we go before the Lord. Am I clean before you, Lord? Do I have anything in me that needs to be judged? I I bring it before you, and Lord... I repent. I, let me die to these things. That I be mm-hmm. cleansed. That I come into your new life. Every time we take communion, it needs to be with that heart. This is a serious thing. He said if you take it lightly, you are bringing judgment upon yourself by taking the communion. Does that mean you got, brought judgment on yourself by eating it as a baby? Yeah, but the thing is um, uh, so, kids. <sighs> kids God doesn't expect kids to, um, to to, know all these things. And to be, kids aren't responsible, right? Really, it's the parents that are responsible, okay? Um, but it's important for parents to raise the kids in a certain way to understand these things so that they have a good foundation for growing up as adults themselves, right? Okay. Okay, and then what else do we have? Um and the la- the next verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. That's a really powerful verse. Mm-hmm. He's saying if if we take this life seriously, if we give our lives to the Lord and come into him, uh-huh. we should not be weak and ill. Right? we should be completely cleansed and renewed in His life. Does that mean I'm not supposed to ever get sick? That's how it reads. We shouldn't get sick, right? Mm. I'm not. I'm, I'm not putting anything on you. I, I haven't. I, I'm not, I'm. I fully expect to get sick again. But, however, I also fully expect that I'm going to grow and mature into the fullness of the promises of God. And what I will not do, which is far too common, is to say that this verse is wrong because my life falls short of this word, right? Mm -hmm. That's, That's far too common. Well, this doesn't mean this because I don't know anyone experiencing this. No, this means this and your life falls short of the glory of God. My life falls short of the glory of God. I need to... Seek him all completely and also be dependent upon him because there are times and seasons where he brings about the fullness. And I believe we live in a time where he's going to bring about far greater the fullness of his promises than has been experienced in the past. But apparently, according to Paul, he was experiencing a reality where there was no such thing as sickness for him. He said, that is a part of the world that I do not participate in because I am party to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, why should sickness touch me? Why should it have any power over me? Mm -hmm. It's a thing of this fallen world, and I am not of this fallen world. You Mm -hmm. see that? You see how everyone's running around being scared of sickness? Mm -hmm. It's because they're worshiping the enemy. Are we scared of that sickness? No. Who who cares? We are of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, we have not yet come to a place where we never get sick, right? Mm -hmm. But am I going to say, well, Lord, I just assume I'm always going to get sick because I always have? No, I'm going to assume, Lord, let that last time I was sick be the last time I ever get sick. I want the fullness of your grace in my life. Mm -hmm. Right? I want the fullness of truth. And Lord, every so this is what he's saying. Examine yourself. So the religious person would just say, well, yeah, Lord, make it so. Now I'm going to go about my worldly life. That's not what he said. He said, as you take communion, examine yourself. In what ways are you falling short of the life that he's calling you to lead? Mm -hmm. He says, if you... Take communion, and you know you're living short of what he's calling you to. And he does progressively call us to more and more and more over time. He never asks us to do more than we can take at that moment. Mm -hmm. I told you this, like, last week. If he told us every change that we need to make right when we came to Christ, no one would come to Christ. Everyone would say, it's too much. I can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Although Jesus did say, count the cost, right? A king. A king with an army who sees a, another king with a greater army comes at him and and uh, he counts the cost, right? But God knows we can only handle so much. So he says, right now I want you to work on this. And, and if you're walking with the Lord, you will overcome that. And then he says, hey, now there's this. And that, that's how we progressively mature. It's one of the ways where the Lord overcomes the world in and for us as long as we continue to walk with him and be willing to die to those parts of us that are still worldly, that are still carnal, right? Mm-hmm. And so he says, judge yourself. That, he goes on 31, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. It's pretty powerful, right? But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world Mm -hmm. you see this is the process of him helping us to overcome the world so we are not party to the judgment upon the world because we have already been judged disciplined cleansed and have overcome the world Mm -hmm. you see that so then okay and that's we'll stop there and we move to ezekiel chapters eight and nine and um Yeah, it was a dreadful thing. It's kind of cool to read. I like reading about the, you know, that there's a man that comes with, um, you you know, he's the form appearance of a man below what appeared to be his waist was fire and above his waist was something like the appearance of brightness, like gleaming metal. So similar to how John saw Jesus in Revelation, right? So maybe this is Jesus. I don't know. But he picks him up in the spirit and he takes him, In the spirit to see what's going on at the temple in jerusalem and the all the leading men there are carving idols inside the hidden rooms of the temple and worshiping idols in the temple and the women are outside worshiping idols there and so god says this is a great evil the people they believe because they they say in their heart was verse 12 the lord does not see us the lord has forsaken the land and so they're turning to other gods it's the exact same thing as a people of god today that believe in the ways of the world over god they still claim like these people still believe in god right because they're saying the lord doesn't see us that implies they still believe in him they just say he's not doing what we want therefore we're going to We're going to worship other things to get what we want. You see that? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as people... Right. It's the same thing as people of God today seeking the ways of the world uh, for their their salvation. They don't ever think of it that way. They don't think of it in terms of salvation. They just think... They just go along with the way of the world. Oh, the world says this. Okay. The news says that. Okay. The people say this. Okay. They just go along with the way of the world instead of going the way of the lord Mm -hmm. and so god says i will have great judgment upon that and he sends uh chapter nine he sends um what angels i don't know to to look and, and mark the heads again this is similar to revelation where you have people marked with the mark of the beast right and people get all, all upset about whether that means um, this or that thing. They're always looking for what's the mark of the beast. But to me, it's simple. It's uh, Is your mind worldly? Do you go after the ways of thinking of the world, or do you go after the ways of thinking of the Lord? And I also, as we paused in between, I thought, it's important to note, You can't take on a religious philosophy. If someone could hear what I'm saying and make a religious philosophy out of it, and it do them no good. Mm -hmm. You understand? Because what I'm talking about is a life. What the scripture is calling us to is a life. And we can only enter, the degree to which we can enter the kingdom, that life, is the degree to which we have absolute faith in it. Not just because we say we have faith because we actually live and believe in these things that's how we enter in when we when we if we say we believe something but we actually have fears of the world that fear is worship of satan who controls this world and when we worship him we ha- we give him access to us so if we do something because some guy was teaching out of the bible and he said we should do this but we actually have the fears of the world guess who's going to control it's this what we're worshiping the fear but if we truly believe and we have no fear of the world then we have no worship of the, of the enemy and he has no access to us and we worship the lord and we are led by him and his rules abide for us his grace controls us you see that okay and uh so that he, you know he says basically here just as uh you know revelation talks about um going about and just killing sending angels to kill everybody who is not uh living according to this way of the lord right but ezekiel's like is there a remnant of course there's a remnant right and then we're wrapping up in john and it was nine and ten right uh and you just asked about hanukkah you're surprised <clears throat> they celebrated it i said yeah that was the maccabee period uh I don't know, a couple hundred years, maybe just a hundred years before Christ, I can't remember. Um, And, uh, but it's a celebration of God making oil last longer than it should, and giving light in the temple. That's clearly a picture of Christ, right? Oil, the, the picture of the Holy Spirit, right? Anointing us. Light, being light in the darkness, Jesus, right? And our life in Him. So, yeah, it's minor holiday, but it's it's obviously a picture of, of the coming Christ. Um, what stood out to me is the beginning of 10, because it was similar to what we just talked about. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So we just talked about there are spiritual truths, but you can't grab hold of them as words and not live them and have them still be true in your life. Mm-hmm. And so he says, you can't go in another way. So you can claim all the words, but if you're not living them, he says, you're a robber trying to go in another way. You have to follow the shepherd on this way, this narrow path, right? Mm-hmm. With, through faith, right? Right. So if we have faith that we're, we'll go to heaven after we die because we're baptized, well, then that's what we have faith for. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we have faith for, you know, there's a variety of things we can have faith for, and there's other things we might not have faith for. And mm-hmm. in the ways that we have faith, in the ways that he's following us, we actually enter the life. In the other ways, if we don't, we don't. Mm-hmm. Um. 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. It's pretty simple. God calls us to die to our old life, to lay our life down, live for him. Mm -hmm. Jesus was the first one to ever fully do it. And he made it possible that through his blood and his sacrifice, we can also lay our lives down and enter Mm -hmm. into his life. And so that's short, but we're running low on time. And I last year I went in very detail about uh, John, and we'll leave that there for now. God bless you. God bless you.